Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, as we come in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at that name, every knee must bow. The knee of sickness, the knee of disease, the knee of poverty, the the need of pain. Any name that's named in the earth, is under the name of Jesus Christ. So Father, we come in that name and I thank you today for your word and I pray that your word will go on the inside of us and it will change the outside of us. I pray that a spiritual deposit will be made in our hearts and in our lives to the point that Father, we'll see transformation happen. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to articulate the word of the living God and I thank you that Jesus watches over his word to perform it and so I thank you for signs miracles and wonders following our lives in Jesus mighty name everybody say amen 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 God bless you you may be seated I started a new series on last week called faith for change everybody say faith for change And the whole thought process behind this series is to help you and I embrace change with a faith attitude and with faith actions. Everybody say embrace change with a faith attitude and faith actions. And like I said on last week, most people's view of change is negative and it comes from a negative perspective unless they're the ones that initiate the change. And even in some of those cases, if you and I initiate change for ourselves, if it did not work out in our head like it worked out in the natural, sometimes even those changes that we made are viewed as negative. And so last week, I gave three primary ways change can come. And so if you're just joining us today physically or if you're joining us today digitally, which we call now fidgetal. Fidgetal means physical and digital. So I have two audience here. So we're fidgetal today. So last week I gave three primary ways that change can happen because if you live long enough, change is going to happen. If you're past the age of 50 like me, change has started happening. That's why most men wear hats because a change has happened. I won't say anything about the women. But change will happen. (laughs) If you see this, change has happened. (laughs) Woo! So if you see your neighbor fanning, just help them, help them, help them, help them. So there are three primary ways change can happen. Number one, change can happen to us. Everybody say to us. 
And this is when a change or changes come from life or others that we had no control over. Amen. These are actions or decisions that we had no say-so in. And if you want to take notes, you can. But we also have those notes on you version, the Bible app. So the first way that change happens is change can happen what? Come on. They happen how? To us. Number two, change can happen from us. And this is when uh, we make changes or we do things and these changes come from within us. These are things that we do. These are decisions that we make that come from us. They may be good or they may be bad, but either way, they are decisions that we decided to make. So change can happen from us. And then number three, change can happen from God. And this is when God wants us to make a change or changes that will ultimately better our lives. And we must remember that any change that is directed by God will always, say always, these changes that are directed by God will always take our lives to new levels and new blessings. The New King James Version of Proverbs 3, 6 says this, In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall, watch this, direct your path. I love the living Bible of that version. It says, in everything you do, everybody said everything. Listen, in everything you do, watch what it says. Put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. And this is why a lot of people hit and miss when it comes to life. When they're making decisions for their life, what they do is they make the decision first and then they ask God about it second. But it says, put God first. In other words, in, in everything you do, acknowledge him and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. But we must remember that some of these God-directed changes that, that God gives us may not always be comfortable. They may not always be convenient. As a matter of fact, some of them may present challenges when God is directing you to make some changes. And sometimes we think that when God tells us to do something, that everything that we do to do what he's telling us to do is going to be a smooth road. And sometimes it's not always smooth. Amen. So Romans 8.28 is amazing because even when God tells us to make changes, when he directs us to make changes, or when changes happen to us, the kind that we have no control over, we must remember that God will make these things work together for our good anyway. Say amen to that. Romans 8:28 in the King James says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now the Phillips translation, which a lot of people don't have, but the Phillips translation of that verse, I like it. It says this, moreover, we know that those who love God, how many love God? Those who love God, watch this, uh, and it says, who are called according to his plan, everything, say everything. Everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. So listen, God will take anything that's bad and somehow reshape it into something that is better and beneficial for us. So why be bitter about what happened when you know better is coming? 
See, some of you all are stuck at bitter because you can't see better is coming. But if something bad happened to you, if you have a biblical mindset, all you have to say is, he told me he was going to work it together for good. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I don't need to know how he's going to do it. I just believe that he will. And listen, all you need to do now is get out of bitterness and expect better. Amen. Let's, let, let, let that boyfriend or that girlfriend go who wasn't treating you good anyway. Let him go. Why? Better's on the way. See, that's the problem. Most people can't let go of what they have because they can't see better is coming. Amen. That's why some people don't know how to give because they give. They don't understand that when they let it go, they don't realize better is coming. Amen. So our lesson today, if you're taking notes, is, listen, responding to change with a faith attitude. Because everything in life must be, uh, uh, we must take our faith and use it to our advantage. And so our primary text is Acts chapter 10 in the New Living Translation. I only have two points for you, and then we have some application. So here's point number one if you're taking notes, and that is responding to change. Because we're all going to respond to change. The question is, how are we going to respond to change? And most people, if we're honest, if change is done to us and not from us, we tend to not take change well. So what I'm going to do is give you a take-home statement from last week so I can just kind of get everybody on the same page about what faith is. Because if we're going to respond to change by faith, you have to know what faith is. And so last week we said faith is spiritual currency that is always available to make kingdom transactions. Let me say this. God did not just give us faith to get stuff. He gave us faith for us to please him. It says, for those who, it says, uh, it is impossible for us to please God without faith. So he gave us our faith, not to just access things in the kingdom, but he gave us our faith so we could uh, please him. And faith, I said this last week, faith is spiritual power. Say spiritual power. It is spiritual power, watch this, that comes when we hear God's word and we act on it. And so we talked about having a faith attitude and a faith attitude says, as I hear God's word, faith is going to come, which then allows me to make a choice of whether I'm going to do it or not. And if I do it, then I can wait with anticipation that whatever the word promised me, I can watch this, be in position and expect the results. So let's go now to Acts chapter 10. This is going to be an interesting story. I'm going to point out some principles in the story because, listen, once you learn how to live a principle life, then you will enjoy a consistent life. See, principles are consistent. Laws are consistent. What goes up comes down. I don't care how long it's up there. An airplane, it comes up. Look, ain't no gas stations in the sky. Eventually, it's going to have to come down. And so, listen, when you and I learn how to live a principled life, then it will help us now live a consistent life. So watch this. It says, the next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. I mean, you know, you're either getting hungry or sleeping when you pray, right? Hungry or sleeping, one of them. 
But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a loud voice or a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Verse 14. He says, No, Lord. How many know it's not good to tell the Lord no? Peter's bold. He's like, No, Lord. I have never... I want y'all to pay attention now to his responses because some of his responses are how we respond. He said, oh, no, Lord, never have I eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Say again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated how many times, church? Three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Verse 19. Meanwhile, as Peter puzzled over the vision, watch this now, the Holy Spirit, who? Who? The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Now, let me just throw this in. This has nothing to do with this lesson. But because we are a spirit-filled church, I like to take opportunities to show you when the manifestation of the Spirit is taking place. That's called the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when God will drop something in your heart, give you something that you shouldn't know that's taking place or that will take place. And so God, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, hey, there are some people coming. So Peter went down and said, hey, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? I mean, if you have a warrant for your arrest, you won't be doing it like that. They're going to be looking. How many have had a warrant before? Let me see your hand. That's okay. Don't raise. I'm your man. This is who you're looking for. No, no, no. Anyway, that's what he said. I'm the man. This is, this is I'm, you're looking for me. So then he, they said, we were sent by Cornelius. Listen to now Cornelius, who he was. He was a Roman soldier or officer, which tells us he was a Gentile. So it says he is a devout man, a God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that we, he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. I don't know how Peter did that because it wasn't his house. This wasn't Peter's house. It was another man Peter's house. Peter done invited somebody into somebody else's house. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, and the next day he went with them, accompanied by some brothers from Joppa. They sound like the hood, don't they? <laughs> when I was growing up, they had a city. It's right in Dallas called Joppa. Joppy. Joppy. How many from Joppy? Anybody from Joppy? Man, I tell you what, Joppy was sloppy. But anyway... <laughs> I hope none of my friends from Joppy is watching. I didn't mean that. So verse 25 says, As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told him, Hey, you know it is against our law, I'm going to use the word tradition, for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to even associate with you. But God, everybody say, but God. 
But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. As you can see now, I want you all to see that Peter was challenged with some God-directed changes and his response mirrors ours. So what I'm going to do now, we're going to talk about the different ways you and I can respond to change. Because change is going to happen to you whether you want it to happen or not. So there are three primary ways you and I can respond to change. Here's, uh, here's number one, we can refuse to change. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you right there. <laughs> number two, we can resist change. Or number three, we can receive change. What was number one? We can, what is it? We can refuse to change. What's number two? We can resist the change like my staff did this week. And then number three, receive the change. So let's talk about refusing to change. Look at verse 13. It said, then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And what was Peter's answer? Come on, say it again. No, does that sound like the Peter's resisting or refusing to change? No, Lord. Refusing to change is when we have decided to reject change, whether it's God-directed or not. Typically, this is refusing to change, watch this now, uh, regardless of what's going on. And sometimes refusing to change has several factors to it. So let me give you some factors about refusing to change. See, in Peter's case, what he was dealing with or challenged with, he had never done before. Because if you can continue to read, he says, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws haven't declared. So here it is. God is, he's, he's, uh, he's bringing a God-directed change. Because, see, there are some changes that God wants you to make. And you and I have to be in a position that we uh, yield ourselves to God. And so in this situation, he said he had never eaten anything that was considered clean or unclean. And typically, watch this, let me just say this. Typically, this refusing to change attitude has these factors. So here's reason number one most people refuse to change, and it's because they've never done it before. See, there are a lot of people who, have, who had to make some changes just to come to this church. Because your grandmother was a Baptist, your great-grandmother was a Baptist, your mother was a Baptist. Yeah, I'm talking about your mama. She was a Baptist. And so, you know, it's just natural for you to be Baptist. But somehow, this word, somebody introduced you to this thing, and this thing hit you like a, vac like a COVID vaccine. Oh, man, something happened on the inside of me. Well, he had never done it. And there are some of us, we refuse to change, and here's why. Because we've never done what we need to change before. And there's going to come a time in your life where God will want you and direct you to make some changes that you weren't ready for. And let me say this about God. A lot of times these God-directed changes come when we're minding our own business. Peter's minding his own business. He's going up to pray. He's ready to eat. And God just interrupted his life and gave him a directed change. So, never doing something before uh, is one of the reasons why people uh, refuse to change. Here's number two, is we tend to refuse to change due to our traditions. We all have them. Our families have them. In verse 13, it says, then the voice said to him, get up, kill and eat. He says, no, Lord, 
I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws or customs or traditions have declared unpure. In other words, he refused to do what God was saying because of his traditions. And so refusing to change due to our tradition, listen, is when a change or changes does not fit into the box that we are traditionally used to. Amen. This is where people compare what God is trying to do right now to what they're used to him doing. See, you can't pour new wine in old wineskins. And these are people who typically never see change as a good thing. I'm talking about people who have a traditional mindset. They don't see change as a good thing. These are people who are stuck in their ways and they don't see change as beneficial. These are people who still use a rotary phone. These are people who still use a flip phone. You know, my dad passed away, but he was still using a flip phone. Have you tried to text with a flip phone? You got to push the three button three times just to get an F. These are people who use old phones and stuff because they don't want to learn new, de- new technology. These are people who are still communicating on MySpace. Y'all remember MySpace? You don't even remember it, do you? Some of y'all do, though. These are people who still use com- MySpace to communicate online. They're still playing with Atari game systems. How many know what Atari is? Uh-huh, you over 40, that's why. They have not moved up to the Nintendo Switch or the Xbox or the PlayStation. Why? Because they are stuck. And listen, let me tell you something powerful. Traditions can sometimes keep the word from working in your life. Listen, the Living Bible, and I'm about to read like five different versions of this verse because I want you to get the impact of how traditions can keep the word from working in your life. The Living Bible of Mark chapter 7 verse 8 and 9 says this, For you ignore God's specific orders and substitute your own traditions. You are simply rejecting God's law and trampling them under your feet for the sake of tradition. The Living Bible of Mark 7 verse 12 and 13 says, And so you break the law of God, watch this, in order to protect your man-made traditions. The New Living Translation of Matthew 15, 6 says this, And so you cancel, listen, the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You and I can actually cancel the power of God's word because we're caught up in our own traditions. Listen now to the God's word translation. It says in Matthew 15, 6, Because of your traditions, you have destroyed the authority of God's word. Wow. Now, here's the one that puts the cherry on top. The amplified version of Matthew chapter 15, verse 6 says this. So for the sake of your tradition, the rules handed down by your forefathers, you have set aside the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect. Amen. This is why some Christians still go to church on first and third Sunday because that's how granny raised you. But the only reason Granny went to church on first and third is because it was a country church and the pastor was actually preaching at two different churches and so he was only at child's location for first and third. 
But see, you got caught up with tradition, and that's why you come to church first and third, thinking that you did it. No, Granny did it because there was nobody there on the second and fourth. There are times that God is wanting to do a new thing, but we're stuck in our own ways or in that old thing. Jacob was experiencing a place where God was, and he didn't even know it. Can you imagine being in a place where God is and not know it? In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, it says this. God was saying to Jacob, behold, I'm with you. Say, God is with me. Come on, say it again. God is with me. He says, I'm with you. I'm going to keep you in all places where you go. I will bring, I'm just, somebody is afraid to fly. God said, I'm up there too. I don't know who you are. If you're watching me through the lens, you're getting ready to fly somewhere and you all nervous. Listen, God's up there. He's up there. He's everywhere, right? He says, I'm everywhere where you go. I will not leave you until I've done which, what, that which I've spoken. Watch verse 16. Jacob woke up out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. And most of God's directed changes have tomorrow in mind, not yesterday. If God is motivating you, moving you to make a change in your life, he's got your tomorrow in mind. He's not referencing your yesterday. And so the first reason why people refuse to change or to make a change is because they've never done something before. Number two was because of their tradition. And here's number three. The third reason people refuse to change or make changes is because they're too comfortable or lazy where they are. Hmm. Now, I'm putting comfort and lazy together. They're different, but a lot of times if you don't watch it, if you get too comfortable, you will get lazy. And that's what happened to the rich young ruler. He actually got comfortable with his life. He got comfortable with his lifestyle. And when Jesus said, hey, sell everything you got, go give it to everybody, and then come and follow me, he couldn't do it. Why? He was too comfortable. And when we get comfortable on our jobs and our careers and our relationships, when opportunities to change come, if it is going to create discomfort for us, we tend to not want to make the changes. So here's a take-home statement, because I believe comfort is one of the biggest killers of faith changes. So let me give you a take-home statement. Many times people miss the promised land because they got stuck in comfortable land. I'm going to say that again. Many people miss the promised land. What's the promised land? Whatever God told you he was going to do for you. A lot of times we miss the promised land because we're comfortable in the comfortable land. And let me tell you something. If you're going to walk with God, there are going to be times where he's going to tell you to do something that you're not used to doing. Listen, I'm minding my own business. I'm working in corporate America. And guess what? He says, I want you to move to Jamaica to go to this school. Well, the school headquarters is here in Dallas. I'm like, is there a reason why you don't want me to come to Dallas? I'm from Dallas. Don't you remember that? <laughs> you ever talk to God like he don't know? So I'll never forget, I'm in, I'm in Jamaica. You know, we did some mission work, the church that I was a part of. And so, you know, uh, I just felt that I was supposed to stop working and go to school in Jamaica. So, 
my pastor's wife at the time got the same unction from the Lord. So I couldn't ignore it. You know, because it's, it's in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word's going to be established. So now I'm, I'm wrestling because she tells me and I already know. So we meet with, the, head, with, the, with the, the director of the school. And he said the same thing I said to the Lord. He said, aren't you from Dallas? I said, yeah, I told the Lord that too, yeah. They had never had an American to attend this school. But for some reason, it was a God-directed change and it all worked out. So sometimes we miss the promised land because we get stuck in the comfortable land. And then, so let me give you four real quick because I want to keep moving here. So the fourth reason people tend to refuse to change is because of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of what my people, people might think, fear of change. It, it might worsen their life or fear of the future. And, you know, uh, this past week, you know, I, I, I verbalized the change on the spot last Sunday. Because I found something out. Ask me what I found out. I found out I'm the pastor. I found that out. It's like I looked at my business card. It says, you're the pastor. I looked at the website. It said, you're the pastor. I looked at the new membership book. It said, you're the pastor. So I decided to do a pastor direct change last week. I stood up here, and if you go back and watch it, I said, hey, listen, I'm about to make a change. My staff is going to have a hard time with this change. They're going to probably try to get me in trouble, but I'm the pastor. And that's when I announced, hey, we will not be wearing masks if you are fully vaccinated. And so staff meeting shows up. I wish we would have had that one on reality TV. Now, I, 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 because I got my second vaccination, doing staff meeting, I had to do it over the phone. I'm glad because I would really act it up had I been here in person. <laughs> My daughter Heaven bought me a button. Uh, I can't remember what it says on the top of the button, but uh, there's this, this, this thing online and there was this guy that says, oh, oh my God. Hey, Y'all know that? So Heaven got me this button because I like that. She got me this button, and when I hit the button, it says, oh, my God. They better be glad I wasn't a staff meeting, because I would be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> so listen, the staff, I ain't going to mention no names, but the majority of them was fighting me on this whole not wearing a mask if you're fully vaccinated thing. I'm like, are you all kidding? So listen, I had to say, how does faith come? Come by hearing. I had to say it to the staff at least five, and this is what I said. I said, okay, I'm going to say it one more time because faith comes by hearing. If they are fully vaccinated, they don't have to wear a mask. And some of my staff said, well, we're going to have people that lie and say they fully vaccinated. I said, so what? They, they, look, QT got it. The dollar store say, if you fully, they, can I see your vaccination records? One of my staff, who is a real special individual, I love them so much with all of my heart. Y'all probably didn't know that half of the CDC works for Word of Truth Family Church. Half. Before the CDC make any changes, they come and talk to the people here. 
So this person was, I mean, they was giving me a hard time, just a hard time. I said, you know what? Your problem is you need the vaccine. That's your problem. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a burglar to break into your house with a nurse escorting him and give you a shot in your sleep. (laughs) What is one of the reasons people uh, refuse to change? Fear. Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Check this out. The CDC is the one that came up with the new rule and say, you don't have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. Why is it that you believe the CDC when they say wear a mask, but you don't want to believe them now? Let me move on. I just have to get that off my chest. So y'all pray for me and the staff. So let's, let's look at the second way that we can respond to change. We, the first one was what? Refusing to change. Here's the second one, which is what my staff did. They were resisting change. Now, refusing to change is different from resisting change. Resisting change uh, or God-directed change is when a person knows that they need to change, but they fight that change and they resist it. The president of CDC Club, just watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm just messing with it. That was great timing, wasn't it? I mean, he did that perfectly. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Thank you. I appreciate that. We planned that. I want you to know that. Watch verse 15 of Acts 10. This is resisting. The, the voice spoke again. Do not call something clean if God has made it clean. Watch verse 16. The same vision was repeated how many times? Let me ask you something. Why did you repeat things to your kids? Either they didn't hear you or they heard you and they haven't moved. But for whatever reason, they are resisting what you're saying. So you have to say it, say it, say it. Peter was resisting. This God-directed change was so new to Peter that God had to repeat it three times to him. And that's how we are. We know that this is an area that when God is directing us to change, then in some cases, you know, you might even have to be forced to change. My question is, most of us resist it. Now, there's a video. I want them to throw this video up. Because this video is a great representation of resisting something. This kid is eating, but they need a nap. Have you ever had your kids fighting the nap? I mean, they fight, they fight, they fight, they cry, they, but they just fight in the sleep. Dude, they, they, y'all got the video for me? Let me see if they can throw it up there. So look, this kid, he wants the ice cream so bad but he needs to go to sleep. That's how some people resist change. They gonna even try to take it from him. No, no, no. Okay, stop it. That, 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 that's, that's some of us. God is, see, because here's the thing. When you start making changes that are God-directed, you're going to get some persecution. 
Change, you can write this down, change is going to cost us some flesh. It's going to cost us some friends. It's going to cost us some frenemies. You don't need them anyway. It even can cost you some family members. You know, there are some, some members of our church. They're back now, so you won't know who they are. But when we were going through the journey at the school, they couldn't take some of the persecution from their friends and family. Y'all still in a school? Oh, I know why y'all in that school. That pastor driving that nice car. No, I ain't got nothing to do. I'm paying for my own car. But they couldn't handle it. So they jumped out. And then we came to the new building. We didn't know nobody. We just, everybody showed back up. When you're trying to make God direct the changes for your life, you're going to get some persecution from people. Oh, oh, be single for like five years and watch and go to the family reunion. You still single? No. Why is that your business? See, what they don't know is God is trying to break that serial dating spirit off of you. Okay. We're going to keep going. Here's point number two as we close here. We must embrace change by faith. Everybody say embrace change. You've got to embrace change. Regardless of how the change came about, whether it happened to you, whether it happened from you, or whether it happens from God, we must embrace these changes. And so there are four ways that we can become motivated to embrace. Everybody say motivated. We can embrace change through inspiration. And this is when we see something, hear something, learn something, or experience something that inspires us to change. And, you know, the testimony of others or even the trial of others or ourselves sometimes, you know, can motivate or inspire us to change because sometimes pain is a motivator. Now, see, one of the things that I did to, to get in the wave game, I got inspired by a guy named 360 Jeezy. I have never met 360 Jeezy, but I watched all of his YouTube and Instagram videos, and this guy was waving. I'm like, man, every time I would watch him, I was seasick. I had to buy some seasick pills to watch his videos. But 360 Jeezy inspired me, and if we're going to embrace change, then inspiration can happen. And that can happen just through the testimonies of, of others. Watch this, Acts 10, 19. It says Peter was puzzled over the vision. And then it says the Holy Spirit said to him, Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to make this change. Here's change number two. We can embrace change through frustration. You say, well, frustration? Because even though frustration doesn't show up in this, in this, in this story with Peter, it still is a way for us to embrace change. Why? Because sometimes it is easier or less stressful for us to just embrace it and change. Years ago, my family, for what re whatever reason, they have the ability to cut the lights on, but they get amnesia to cut them off. And I would come home and count all the lights on. One, two, three, four five six seven eight nine and then i would give everybody the report nine lights were on when i got here well after doing that you know what started happening frustration started building up 
So I had to, watch this, I had to either embrace the change or stay frustrated. So you know what I did? I embraced the change. I don't care if the light's on. And if they're on, instead of counting how many are on, I just cut them off. You know what it did? It relieved me of frustration. But sometimes frustration is good because it'll make you change. Come on, if you're tired of getting indigestion, you frustrated. Man, what my tums, what my tums, what my tums. Maybe you need to stop eating those quick trip hot dogs. You get frustrated enough with that tums, you, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Frustration, everybody say frustration. And then regimentation. And this is when we begin to make changes before we completely understand the complete benefit. In other words, sometimes God will give you regiment before he gives you revelation. See, to me, that's where most people miss out on giving. That's one of those regiments that you have to do it and then see it. You know, it's, it's almost like uh, showing love. You have to show it before you see it sometimes. And sometimes God will give us a regiment before he give us reg- revelation. Then here's the last one. We can embrace change through revelation. And this is what ha- happened to Peter. If you go and read in verse 28, it says, You know against our laws for Jewish men to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I, like this, who shown him? That's revelation. God shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or clean. So let's apply this real quick here. I'm out of time. I went over a little bit. So here's what I want you to do. I need you to list three areas or changes you want to make in your life or you know God wants you to make. I want you to list just three of them. Don't, don't go overboard and list like 25 because you're going to get depressed. <laughs> Only three. Then I want you to find a biblical story or a contemporary example of a person's life or testimony that you can use to motivate you. And then number three, like 360 Jeezy, he motivated me to get some ways. And then here's number three. Find at least two verses of scripture that you can memorize, meditate on, and confess with your mouth so that you can start the faith process. In fact, I want you to just start right now and say, uh, I love change. I embrace change. I listen to God and I obey him when he wants me to change. Change is good for me. It takes me to new levels, new places, and meet new people. My heart is open to God's changes for my life. And today, I surrender 100% to whatever changes he wants me to make. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you receive the word today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, last week 11 people got born again. Brand new Christians. But with every head bowed, here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven,